This is the Heroes of Hell's Kitchen. I'm Luke, aka the podcaster without fear from the Nerd Dome Podcast. And I'm Marley from the Age of Geek Podcast. And we got together not too long ago uh, to talk about doing a show, going back and recapping the Netflix Daredevil show, one that we both have very, very deep feelings for if you've listened to either of our shows. And basically, we're going to be going through each episode. We're cutting it up into roughly three episodes per show. And we're just going to go through the show as if we're watching it with you. And we're going to talk about some of the big things that happen, uh, how we make that or how that makes us feel and our thoughts and insights on it. And we're also going to be touching on some of the comic book influences that they used in the show. And yeah, it's going to be a fun time. It's you, you can never get me to not talk about Daredevil. So, well, and great. plus, like, do we really need an excuse to watch Daredevil again? Either of us? No, we don't need any no. reason. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but this is good reason, and it's it's kind of fun to pay a little more attention, I think, too, to some of the episodes to see if there's anything you might have missed or. I don't know, just other thoughts that pop up. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And, and like Luke said, talk about our feelings. <laughs> that was funny how you said that. Feelings, yes. Um, how did so, it make you feel? <laughs> okay, if if someone ends up playing a drinking game with this podcast and they, they just take a drink every time they hear, how does that make you feel? Um, let, let us know in the comments because that would be awesome. <laughs> Um, and then we can maybe make a t-shirt and then it just has the tally on it. That'd be great. Oh, um, yeah. And in between episodes, make sure you're following us on Instagram. We're at heroes of underscore Hell's Kitchen. Um, come hang out with us there. Message, yeah. follow, like, save, subscribe. I don't know. What are all the yeah. things on Instagram? Do all the things. <laughs> Do all the things. And and yeah, I hope you guys like memes because there's about to be some memes. Um, oh yeah, it's going to be great. So, so kind of to start off, I have a question for you. What got you into Daredevil? Not necessarily the show, or maybe the show was what got you into Daredevil. Go ahead and kind of ex- explain your Daredevil journey. Yeah. Okay. So it's an interesting journey for sure. I, I feel like it's, well, I mean, I've, I've always liked Marvel. I've always liked superhero stuff. Um, especially, you know, as things have definitely ramped up in both the DC and Marvel worlds. And I, um, I remember watching the Daredevil movie of 2003, (laughs) the, the one that we're not going to talk about that much on this podcast for, for many reasons, but I remember, (laughs) I remember watching that and I was like, well, that was interesting. And then like flash forward several years when we had shows like the, like Arrow and the Flash. And I was really into those. I loved how um, DC seemed to like really, um, you know, kind of grab hold of the television world and just like, they were doing great, you know, especially in the beginning. I, I, I have a lot of thoughts and opinions about those DC superhero shows, but that's another podcast. Um, but anyway, so I, I didn't start watching Daredevil until probably about like season two was already out. 
Um, cause that would have been, it would have been near the end of 2016 at this point when I, cause I remember like, it's just kind of, I, I remember where I was living at the time. Strangely enough, mm. I have, I have a weird memory like that. Like I just think <laughs> of where I was location wise right. and then I take right. the years from there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So it was like 2016. And again, so I had watched Arrow and the Flash. I loved those. And I saw that Daredevil was on Netflix and I'm like, huh. You know, I I like this character. He's, you know, he seems cool from what I do know about him and um, what I've heard about him from some of my friends who were way more into the comic books than me, especially at the time. Um, and so I'm like, I just think it'd be great to see how Marvel did a TV show. Um, mm-hmm. I also, like, I immediately fell in love with, like, the dark and broody mood from the get-go. I like I thought it was cool to see Marvel get a little down and dirty and dark, like kind of see a mm-hmm. darker side of heroes and and kind of more nitty-gritty because from what we knew at this point in time, we had a few of the Marvel movies out, the MCU was was going. And yeah, sure there's some, you know, harder moments in those movies, but at the same time they're pretty light. And also like PG-13. You know, and so to see this Daredevil show and to be rated TVMA, I'm like, okay, I want to see what what they're going to do with this. Like, so even just like the violence and like just like the action scenes, like it was cool to see Marvel actually do more, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. so I just immediately, I'm like, I love this. And um, so yeah, I just totally just like jumped right in, and I'm like, I love this character; that he's so cool. And then fast forward couple years, um, let's see, when was that? Yeah, a couple years after that, I was actually going, um, my friends and I, we decided to go on a random uh, road trip to Denver mm-hmm. just to visit Mile High Comics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is fun. I don't, I, I know I like comics. I mean, I like the source material, but I've never actually owned a comic book at that point. Mm-hmm. And so when I was there looking at, all the comic books, because if you don't know anything about Mile High Comics, it is a giant warehouse, and it's amazing. All of all comic books, and my immediately, like I turned to my one of my friends um, who was really into comics. Um, his name is Brian, and I said, "Hey, I want. A, I know exactly what what comic book I want to get for my first purchase. I want Daredevil." And he's like, "Really." And he's like, I know just the one that would actually be like good for you to kind of get into and then kind of go mm-hmm. from there. And he recommended Guardian Devil. Okay. So, yeah. so that's the yeah. so that's the, my first comic book that I bought. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I like this. It's fun. And I also liked being able to see how it compared to what I knew from the TV show. And then um and then it just kind of started from there. And every time I've gone to buy comic books, um, when I go shopping for them. I always look and see what new Daredevil, or you know, what Daredevil ones mm-hmm, are out there. Mm-hmm. What ones have cool covers, you know, or just which stories, you know, that I don't have that right, I want right. to. So I, I have to say, of my comic book collection, because it has grown since that day at Mile mm-hmm. High, <laughs> uh, the most comics I have of one character is Daredevil. So I have a few others, of course. It's not uh-huh. all Daredevil, but the right. most I have is Daredevil. Right. So yeah, so that's kind of my my longish, shortish version okay. of my of my story. But I just I just fell in love with this character. I mean, honestly, like I love 
I love like a good underdog story, right? Mm-hmm. So you have like this guy who's just trying to he's just trying to look out he's trying to look out for the little guy and he and I think it's I like the kind of uh what's the word living two lives kind of thing you know where he has his you know daytime job and then his vigilante nighttime job like the and, dichotomy between the both yeah exactly okay. so i i like seeing like you know he he's trying to help the little guy but he's doing it in two different ways you mm-hmm. know he's helping them by being a good lawyer and doing his best that way and helping his local community but also he's being a vigilante and doing some justice via his fist. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. You know? And so I just, I, you know, they're, he's not perfect and he's not, um, he's not all powerful, but the thing I, I think that's like, like one of the best things about him is that he, it, no matter how much he gets knocked down, he get he gets, he picks himself up. He tries again. Right. He tries right. and tries yep. again. So it's just, he's a great character, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just, I love, love the TV show and I've rewatched it, um, you know, by myself a few times. And then, um, with my husband, he had not, he'd seen season one, I think, and part of season two. And so I'm like, okay, we're starting it from the beginning and watching these all together. So it was great. It was also a good time to watch it, Mm -hmm. you know, with someone else too, and be able to enjoy it together. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, my my Daredevil experience goes back to we, we little Luke pre pre beard, <laughs> full head of hair, you know, shine in his eye that 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 little one. And I had been picking up comic books from the local grocery store, not even not even a comic book store, just because that's where I could find them when I would go with my mom. And I originally had started picking up uh, Spider-Man and X-Men and Batman. And I had been reading those for years and years and years. And, you know, they're, they're all they're all great comics. Love them. But then one year, my my friend, I think it was probably my eighth or ninth birthday had bought me a Daredevil comic because he thought it was a Spider-Man comic. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> and if I could go back and do do the do the grab the cheeks kiss on the forehead, thank you. <laughs> I would. Because the second I picked that up and this was uh early 90s. Early 90s, but the comic was fr- was a, a Frank Miller era comic so it was an older comic but seeing daredevil that was basically an adult version of spider-man mixed a little bit with batman which Mm -hmm. i had already been reading i'm like it's spider-man an adult spider-man with a day job and no powers he like he he's got the radar sense but other than that like he's not punching guys through walls like thor you know, he's not, you know, stopping trains with a couple webs. He's getting the crap kicked out of him repeatedly. But at, back to your point, the the getting back up, constantly mm-hmm. getting back up and just keeping going. And then get later on in the comics where he beats Ultron with a stick, because why not? And talks the Hulk out of the Hulk form using wavelengths. And oh, yeah, that's that's stuff that happened. But um, ju- yeah, just just 
reading that comic and saying, who is this cool guy? Because he had the cool factor that Batman has. Yeah. Was, oh, he totally. Was, he had the red, he had the horns, he had the eyes. He scared the crap out of his out of out of the villains like they they didn't know what to do with them and he used that fear to promote the change that he was trying to do as a lawyer we were talking about the dichotomy he used daredevil to to work where the law failed and yeah I exactly always Mm-hmm. loved that because you see these guys that get off due to a technicality that you know someone didn't file the right paperwork and now this paralyzed child's oh, yeah. family is going to have to care for him his entire life and they get no help because legal assistant forgot to stamp in the right spot that's not right matt is going to fix that and i have always loved that about him Oh, yeah. Well, and even, like, the bigger picture, the bigger story, too, where, like, there's, like, the crime bosses of the city, you mm-hmm. know, and, and they have their, you know, they have every, like, every cop, every, like, judge, probably, like, everybody is in on their payroll kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the times, too, in, like, his legal battles, he's not able to win that way because there's this, you know, a whole other element. And so it's, like, that's not justice, Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. And so he goes to his nighttime job right, right. <laughs> and Second takes job. care of care of the justice that mm-hmm. way. <laughs> and and that is also another reason why I fell in love with the character too, because you have the Avengers, you have the Fantastic Four that are out there battling these world ending calamities and these intergalactic space monsters from Dimension X. And you have the X-Men that are constantly stopping other mutants from destroying the planet. But you have Matt Murdock, who's protecting his neighborhood from slumlords, from crooked lawyers, from crooked judges, from mafiosos. He is doing what actually is helping people in their day-to-day life. Where I'm not saying that the Avengers are not, because they're keeping the planet going, right? Which is also very important. Very important. for sure. But it's it's different. It's it's a different kind of helping. And I think that Matt doing that is is what makes him my guy. What makes him my guy is he is helping people get through their day-to-day lives. And yeah, that's so that's where that's why I have been a Daredevil fan. Um, I was the one of the first kids at midnight during the Ben Affleck Daredevil release, and there was like four other people in the theater. <laughs> I was that guy. And listen, it's not great. We, I feel like we might even need to do a whole episode on this just just as a just, just to as talk about the movie. Right, 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 right. But it'll be a bonus episode. Right, bonus. Yeah, if if we set up a Patreon, there you go. Yeah, um, Patreon, patrons um, only. <laughs> yes, um, but it was the only Daredevil I had, so I was the biggest defender of that. And then, especially when the director's cut came out, that was like marginally better. I I was that kid and I've been a daredevil kid ever since. I remember not being able to find daredevil t-shirts or 
Oh. Or, you know, <laughs> any any kind of merch for Dare no Daredevil action figures. Like the best you mm-hmm. got before that was Daredevil popping up on an episode of uh Spider-Man in the 90s cartoon with Peter Weller doing the voice, which is very not Daredevil. Uh or the old you go back to the 70s and watch The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. You get Matt Murdock back then too, and that was all I had besides the comics. So when the Netflix show came out, I was like when they first announced it, I was a I was that kid again. I was that unbearded full head of unbearded. hair stars and star <laughs> stars in the eyes kid that read that first Daredevil comic. I loved it. I and I make no apologies for that. Everyone knows that. I call myself the podcaster without fear for exactly this reason. But I have had that love for the characters. So when the Netflix show did release, um, Ryan from Nerd Dome and I sat and we watched all of the episodes in one day. We binged it. He came over early in the morning. We got breakfast burritos that were as big as our forearms and we watched the entire show. (laughs) We did that with every single season of Daredevil. I love that. All three of them. All three of them. The only three. And Defenders. And Defenders. Oh, okay. Well, and Defenders. Three and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> well, and like, I... The thing I, I, I wanted to mention, too, which was a huge draw um, for the Daredevil show for me, too, was that Daredevil, Matt Murdock, is played by Charlie Cox. And I... Um, there is a special place in my heart for the movie Stardust. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love Stardust and he is the main character. He plays Tristan Tristan Thorne, is that his name? Yeah, Tristan in Stardust and I was just like I love this man. I think he's a great actor and so when I saw that he was going to be playing this character, I'm like okay, I'm totally on board cuz I'll have to admit I I think Charlie Cox is adorable and mm-hmm. it's not really an, an admission. Like that's it's fact he is adorable and so an eight pack (laughs) oh my gosh that is that too but um we'll we'll talk about that in a minute but (laughs) but you know and so it's just like it i think the cast also really helped because like charlie cox i mean he's not like a super super big name i mean sure he's done a lot of things um he's a british actor um you know but he's just not done a lot of things like um, and even the rest of the cast, they're not super big names, which I also mm-hmm. like appreciate in a show like this, because then we're not focusing on these A-list celebrities, you right, know, right, which right. I don't have a problem with it, with the Marvel movies necessarily, because I get it. They want these, they want some of these A-listers on there, uh-huh. but it was just kind of a nice change of pace. I remember when they cast Eldon Henson as uh, Foggy Nelson. I was like, the kid from Mighty Ducks is playing Foggy? Yes. He was in Mighty Ducks? He was. The, oh, he my was, gosh. Yes. Yes. Go back. Go I back. I need to he go was, back and watch he those. Was Mighty Ducks. Yep. I, I, I was I love hyped. Hyped. I love those. Uh, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into a little bit of the... The, the the actors and how they they brought these characters forward as as we get into these shows. Yes, definitely. All right, so now we are going to just jump right into 
episode one. Uh, the title of it is Into the Ring. So we're just going to kind of go through this and we're going to explain what happens in the episode. So, sorry, spoilers, if you have not watched Daredevil, you should probably not listen to this show because we are going to go through every single episode and we are going to break it down and tell you everything that happened. We should have led with that, but it's out there now. But, like, we're also doing this at, like, three episodes at a time, so you could easily binge that in one evening and then go listen to our yeah. podcast. Like, come on! Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so the show starts out in the past with uh, Jack Murdoch running through the streets of Hell's Kitchen, and he stops at the scene of an accident where Matt is at the center. He lies in the street screaming, and there's industrial barrels leaking chemicals everywhere around bat, around Matt. Uh, and there's an old man that said, you know, he pushed, he pushed me out of the way. He saved my life. And we see him saying my eyes and you get the point of view of this child looking up at his dad, watching the world go dark as his eyes slowly go to black. That is probably the best way I have seen the Matt Murdock accident happen. And the kid that that I wish I had written down his name, the kid that plays young Matt did that perfect. You can see the look in Jack Murdock's eyes is he doesn't know what to do. He tries to, he pulls his sleeve up. He tries to wipe it off of his son's eyes But as he's looking at his son from that point of view, being a dad, I know that that look on his face is just there's nothing he can do. It's fear. It's panic. It's sadness all wrapped into one look. Mm -hmm. And that's what that is the last look. That's the last face and the last expression that Matt Murdock ever sees. And they did that so well. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, and like, I feel like there's that one line where the old, you know, the old man, um, he's like, he pushed me out of the way. Like that small little tidbit speaks volumes to the character of Matt Murdock. Because like when you first, yeah, when you first roll up on this scene, you're like, okay, this looks scary. Like was this kid being dumb maybe was he being a kid and got in the way he was riding his butt you know like you kind of just like you start to assume things right right but then when as soon as the old the older man is like oh he pushed me out of the way he saved my life and you're just like oh oh wow okay so this is a good kid he was trying to help somebody he basically sacrificed like himself um you know obviously he didn't die but like Mm -hmm. he he, he, he got his vision. Yeah, he sacrificed, he sacrificed his vision. Exactly. He sacrificed his normal life mm-hmm. to save a stranger. Oh yeah. And and not even this realizing that that what was going to happen either. Like he did it to save mm-hmm. that man's life, not yep. knowing no what the consequences yep. were going to be. No other thought. And side note, the chemicals that uh, went into Matt Murdock's eyes then went into the drain and created the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Talk to Kevin Eastman about that. <laughs> there we go. I love it. I love it. So uh, so back to the episode. Uh, it jumps forward to the present, and Matt is in a 
church speaking to a priest. He talks about his his father as a as a fighter, as as a man, and he said that the Murdoch man have the devil in them, and that that was what made his dad such a good fighter. Is when he got pushed into the corner and he kept getting back up. It was time for Murdoch to let the devil out, and you know what that means. And we get him not actually committing a sin or talking about a sin that he has committed. He's asking forgiveness for what he's about he's to do. He's about to do. <laughs> and then the scene shifts. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. And then we get out to the uh, to the docks where there's some human trafficking going around and some kidnappers are trying to put these young women in a shipping container where we get our first shot of our good friend Turk. Um, oh, Turk. <laughs> Turk. Don't worry. It's not the last time we'll talk about Turk. No. <laughs> and uh, we see uh, Matt in a black outfit where he's got a headband tied around his eyes and he's just wearing all black combat boots, kind of combat gloves, like a compression shirt and some cargo pants. Like he's not, there's no super suit. He grabbed no, what no he armor. got. <laughs> yeah, he went to the sporting goods store and he grabbed everything and then a t-shirt and tied it around his head. And this comes from the Frank Miller daredevil run where it cuts back to when he first became daredevil he didn't have the suit so that's what he wore he just tied a piece of cloth over his eyes and he used a nightstick that he had stolen from a a police officer as a dare so that's where this comes from and we see him jumping in and out between these shipping containers and laying the whoop on these guys that (laughs) that are about to try and kidnap these women. And one thing about this that I really liked was in the Marvel shows uh, in the, in the movies and what TV had come out before then, anytime Thor punches a guy, he goes through the wall. Anytime Spider-Man hits a guy, you know, he hits him and then like webs him to a wall. Captain America hits a dude with a shield into a concrete barricade and just keeps going. This is not Matt. That is not the way Matt doesn't have super strength. He doesn't have superpowers. So for him to put these guys down, he has to hit them and 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 and continue this until they stop moving until they're not a threat. And you get that POV of Turk getting pummeled into traction. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I mean, you can see like the anger though, too, that Mm -hmm. Matt has, because like, obviously these people are doing something terrible. I mean, they're, they're attempting human trafficking. Right. And, um, you know, and obviously he stops them and he doesn't like how they're treating these poor women and he takes it out on Mm -hmm. the bad guys. And you can see Mm -hmm. that, you know, kind of back to what you were saying about, like, um, Murdoch men have the devil in them. Like, I feel like that kind of gave us a little bit of a of a taste. Yeah, that was him letting the devil out on Turk's face. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, 
Before we move on to the next part of the show, I would like to talk about Burrito Guy. Um, Burrito Guy, who is just sitting in a lawn chair at the end of the dock, eating his burrito while he's watching all of these women being paraded into the shipping container. Uh, There's a point where Matt gets the taser from Turk, Uh and he just throws it to his left and hits burrito guy in the throat and he goes tumbling into the ocean. I don't think I know it. I need to like go back and look at that scene. <laughs> he is just sitting there the entire time. And I'm like, what is guy doing? He's obviously he, my, my head cannon says he's the guy that worked at the dock that is looking the other way mm. while Turk loads him in there. And so he's like, listen, I'm not here. I'm at lunch. I'm just sitting here enjoying my burrito and he, because he doesn't get up to help him, he's not uh, you know, Turk, and he doesn't go to fight, fight the the gangsters loading the women in there. He sits there and he has his burrito, and he catches a nightstick to the throat, which I think is equal punishment to what he was doing. Oh, totally. You know, he didn't put him in the hospital forever, but he hit him in the throat and put him in the ocean. So good on him. But I just wanted to bring up burrito guy before we move on. Um, uh, R.I.P. Burrito Guy. Burrito Guy. <laughs> well, I hope not R.I.P. I hope he's okay. <laughs> I mean, would be torn up about that. We don't know. We didn't see the so, body, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's our first T-shirt. R.I.P. Burrito Guy. <laughs> um, so then we jump to the next morning, and we get. One of my favorite Daredevil characters, Foggy Nelson. We get him. Oh, I thought you were going to say favorite scenes. And I'm like, is this this scene that I was thinking of when he's laying in bed and he gets up? Don't worry. I'm leaving that to you. (laughs) Um, So, no, it's, it's Foggy walking down the street on the phone and him going up to soon to be our favorite local cop, Brett telling him that uh, he brought, he gave him, got something for him to give his mother, uh, which is a bag of cigars. And he's like, can you stop giving my mom cigars? He's like, what? They make, they make her happy. And I love Foggy Nelson as a character so much. And Eldon Henson has brought so much to this character. I will touch on it later. I I have so much feelings about this, but Foggy is great. Foggy is a genuine human. He is genuinely caring about everybody, even though he kind of hides it behind the, well, we got to pay the bills sometimes. He is, and we'll get into it even in season three with his family, but that's, that's jumping ahead. So what Uh, do you, so, I mean, I know the answer to this, but what do you, I mean, Foggy is a nickname, obviously, because that is, it's a weird name. Yes, yes. And it's Franklin, Franklin Nelson. Yes, Franklin Nelson. And so it's like, right. I mean, I know, I know the answer, but I'm just, Mm. you know, leading with that. Mm. And it's like, it's funny though, because like, I feel like. Because Foggy and Franklin, like that, it's such like a weird mm-hmm. like connection. Mm-hmm. So sometimes in my head, I I want to call like his full name is like something f- like more related to Foggy, and mm-hmm. it's like my mind goes to like Fogbert or <laughs> what a fog hat Nelson, <laughs> Fog <laughs> Fodrick or something like I don't know, just like some weird like Fogbert. Yes, my name, my real name is Fogbert, and you may call me Foggy. There's- there is another t-shirt, Fogbert Nelson. 
Um, and it's just Foggy Nelson in a three-piece suit with a top hat. Um, but no, Fo- Foggy Nelson is is fantastic. But that leads us to um, what you were just talking about. Apparently, your favorite scene in season one. I mean, it's a good one. Well, it's maybe episode one. Maybe episode one. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Episode one. That's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, there's other things that happen in season one. Come on. <laughs> but yes no like he he's laying there i mean obviously he is very tired because he fought all night and fought hard and he's just kind of passed out on his bed and all the next thing you you hear is um his phone like the automated voice um foggy yeah foggy foggy which again like things like that 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 like reminds you because like you forget i forget that matt murdoch is blind because he you know, like, is he obviously because he has like his supersonic, like he can like hear things and kind of see things that way. Like you kind of forget that he's actually right, right. blind uh-huh. and uh-huh. needs to also keep up appearances. Cause he doesn't need that. He doesn't need right. any of that right. stuff. Right. Um, so anyways, but he, the daredevil's number one, uh, I've always said this, his number one uh, weakness isn't, isn't any of his disabilities. It's touchscreens. Because he can't see an LCD screen. That's true. That is square. true. That he is sees true. A square. So maybe the foggy is actually one it that is needed. works as both. Yeah. So he does need the audio. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I had my ringtone going foggy, foggy <laughs> for a long time after that, but I 100%. <laughs> <laughs> you will not confirm nor deny. <laughs> no, no, confirm nor deny. Uh, so after oh. that, we get Foggy meeting Matt. Uh, uh, with Wait, you didn't team. you didn't let me finish the best scene? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I I apologize. So wow, okay. So you already teased it earlier. Um, but yes, yeah, so he wakes up to his phone ringing, and he leans over, and he's shirtless, and you just see abs. The and it's like, oh, hello, okay, okay, I see you, Daredevil. <laughs> and then he answers the phone, and you can carry on. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so he meets Foggy and, with the real estate agent at uh, the potential new offices for Matt and Foggy's law office, uh, which will become Nelson and Murdoch. Uh, the Yay. agent says that the building was damaged by the Chitari during the evasion from the Avengers, which I think is important because that gives us a, a time anchor frame. point, an yeah. anchor point of where Daredevil is at. Yes. Uh, where does he exist in the MCU? Right. Even though he's and- not in the MCU. Which is why they can't Marvel. say like anything. They have to say right. the incident. Like they can't actually right. come out and say any of these terms. Because I don't think That's... she said Shatari. Did she? Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I believe she just says the incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but yeah, that's one of those those things where it's a fight between Marvel TV and Marvel movies and that was a whole thing that we'll probably get into later on but this is a point where that where it's connected and also this is where you get to see how smooth matt murdoch is with the real estate agent when she says you know there's not much of a view and he walks in and he goes well that's not too much of a problem with me and then the lady is embarrassed and he comes off as smooth and he's like it's fine and foggy's just shaking his head and I believe he says a line like, how do you always know? How do you always know when they're attractive? Every 
single time. Yes, and then I think that's that. where he drops the, the even that girl, uh, even that girl at Columbia, when you took the Greek classes, I think that's where he first drops an early, early hint at Electra. Because that's where they first oh, met. Oh, I did not catch that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a deep cut, and the, I remember fist pumping in the air, and us pausing the episode, and Ryan going, "What?" And I was like, "Electra." <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then we continued. But like, um, wait, do they? I'm trying to remember, and I know we'll get to it later when Electra Electra shows up. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. Did they say in this show that they went to college together? Yes. Yes, I believe so. Because then Foggy would have known her from before. Right, right. Yes. And we do get, we'll get it into, I believe, in episode three when they meet uh, Wesley. He says two kids that grew up, you know, local, went to Columbia Law together. uh, Cum laude and summa cum laude. Uh, he does. He does say that. So uh, by I the thought he was episode, talking about Foggy and Matt as the two people. Oh yeah, we don't know. Uh, sorry, oh. we don't know it's Electra that they're talking about. Oh, there's okay. no. There's other, you. unless you know. There's no. There's no. Reference. Yeah, yeah. Because like from the comic books. Because I just, I just read. Um, I don't know what I mean. There, the man without or, fear. Uh, it's the one with oh, Miller and Romita Junior. Right. Um. Just like a really nice like snapshot story, but yeah, like that whole thing with with them going to college together and like Foggy is just like oh, convertible rides in the winter. Yeah, he's just like oh, Electra again, right. this girl yeah. again. Anyways, right? Carry on. Yeah. We'll get we'll uh, we'll talk more. Electra. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Love Electra. Uh, so then we jump to across town and we see our first images of Karen Page, and she's holding a bloody knife over a dead man's body looking confused and baffled and she has no idea as the cops bust in screaming that she didn't kill that man uh and then it cuts it kind of cuts to later and brett calls foggy tipping him off that karen is being held in custody for the homicide so foggy and matt go down and they introduce themselves they say that they're there to offer legal assistance uh, they say that Karen is the only suspect in a murder uh, of a man named Daniel Fisher, a coworker. Uh, she asks why they're helping him, and they admit that they're new lawyers seeking new clients, and that Karen would be their first client, and that she says she again she says she works with Fisher, and that they were friends. And earlier that night, they had a few drinks at a bar, and she says then they blacked out and woke up with a bloody knife in her hand. And then we get a little bit of lawyer Matt listening to the heartbeat of someone to tell if they are telling the truth or lying. And he can tell that she is telling the truth. And he says, all right, you know, all right, we're going to, we're going to take the case. Uh, I love the way Deborah Ann Wool portrays Karen page. They, they took some liberties with the character kind of morphing her with other characters later on. But the way she portrays just like shock and it, it is almost unmatched in this in this first episode. She is you can tell she has no idea what is happening or why it is happening to her. And I think she pulls that off great. She kinda like she has these beautiful blue eyes. 
for one thing. And they're very, like, I would describe them as doe-eyed. Like, she's very doe-eyed, like, innocent looking. You know? And so you automatically just, like, she's kind of just like that that girl that you, you, you just look at her and you just know, like, she's a nice person. She's likable, you know? Kind of just normal, but, you know, also might be a little innocent and naive. But, like, we also know that, like, Karen Page, you know, like, we learn later in the show and even, you know, from the comic books that she kind of has a rough past, you know, too. Mm. So she's got some, she's got some dark secrets. Right, right. Uh, So, so after that, we see the next morning, I just mentioned him, Wilson Fisk's uh, right-hand man, Wesley. Uh, Wesley. we We see him in uh, a park in New York city and he sits down next to a man and he tells him, you know, about paying a debt to, to the Kingpin mm-hmm. and the man tries to walk away, but then he pulls out a, I believe it's an iPad. It could be a phone. And he says, is, is this your daughter? You know, maybe you should give her a call. And he calls her and he's again, that parent in me is watching this guy's face and seeing the panic on his face. And he's like, he's like, you know, yeah, yeah. Come over and do, do laundry over the weekend. That'll be fine. And then Wesley goes, Mr. I can't remember his name. He says, go ahead and give us a wave at the camera. And he gives a wave at the camera. And it's a guy, guy that's watching her well, 10 feet away from her. And he says, so we can give your, we can forgive your debt since you have no money. If you do us a special favor. And we'll, we'll get back to that later. Uh, so that we cut across town and Foggy and Matt are pouring over Karen's case. Matt's kind of wondering why the police haven't formally pressed charges, citing that there's something fishy about the case. He thinks she's innocent. Foggy's kind of unconvinced, and that's when they kind of formally like agree to take the case. And then it then cuts back to Hor- uh, Karen's holding cell, where uh, the jail guard, who looks exactly like the man that Wesley was just talking to uh, apologizes and says, I'm sorry, I have to, and tries to kill Karen in her cell where she is able to save herself, which is awesome showing that she's not just, you know, weak and doesn't know what's going on. She knows how to fight for her life. Mm -hmm. Awesome. She's she's not just that doe eyed, blue eyed girl. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, so that's uh, so. Then it cuts to Matt coming back there, and he's trying to piece uh, everything together after the guard was killed. And he basically says at that point that she's not safe here; she's coming with us. And they get Karen out of jail, and they and they take her back to the to the offices, Nelson and Murdoch. Uh, Which I find I find kind of interesting that like they so willingly let her out of jail. Well, I think it was the lack of any charge to her okay however yeah i guess so on top of it because like being a murder suspect is a pretty high crime right and so it's like and you just don't let those people back out into society willy-nilly you know but i guess yeah you're right like there's there's also that component of she's not been officially charged um you know there's not really anything to stick right now and so yeah that makes sense because they probably didn't even have money to pay her bail right they probably right. just released her mm-hmm. and and i mean you know because obviously they can like keep an eye on her i'm sure but 
if they need to arrest her again for any reason or bring mm. her in. But yeah, I just, I like my initial thought. I mean, I, I listen, I listen to, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and like right. sometimes like legal, like ones that are more like legal heavy. Cause I find that stuff like super fascinating. And so like my first initial thing was like, how did she get out of jail so easily? How did they get like, <laughs> no, what? This is wrong. But then, yeah, I totally forgot about like yeah. that bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so she comes back and she actually, uh, lets them know that, uh, she had brought embezzlement claims to her boss right before. And she had, uh, Daniel Fisher get the numbers. And then surprisingly, right after that, she, you know, uh, quote unquote murders him. So Matt takes Karen back to the apartment and says, you know, you're, you're going to stay with me, officer, a clean t-shirt. Cause she's wearing, you know, whatever they had in jail at, to get the, the bloody yeah, It was like an her. NYPD shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Something <laughs> like that. And then she asks him about what it's like being blind. He says he's, uh, you know, he was blind when he turned nine and he remembers what it was like to see and that he admits it, 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 like missing, missing sight. Um, and then he kind of runs through Karen's story again and he realizes, I, I believe he asks a question about any kind of documentation about like if she had had it anywhere else. And he hears that her heartbeat speeds up a little bit, that she's lying. Mm-hmm. And that's when he decides that he's going to, he's going to go check it out. Uh, before that we get, uh, before we see him over there, we do get a little bit of, uh, a bunch of men meeting up with Wesley uh, about what's, you know, the vigilante that beat up the men and set the girls free. There's the Russians. There's a, uh, a lady that we will learn more about named Madam Gao uh, and, and Wesley there. And they and, basically. Well, and isn't the uh, Nobu. Um, the Japanese yes, no, guys yep. there too. Nobu. So it's, it's yeah. Leland it's Owlsley. Yes. And the, owl. <laughs> and the Russian guys. And the, the Russians and Madame Gao, yes. Yeah, and it's kind of an interesting group because, like, yeah, this is, like, the first introduction that we get um, to see, like, all these different groups of, mm-hmm. I don't know, gangs, crime rings? Right, like, I don't right, even know what right. to call them. But, like, you, I mean, because obviously, like, the way that they're meeting, you can tell that these are, not, these, are not, these are not good people. Like, you can just, right, like, the right. context is there. It's very obvious that you know, without knowing who any of these characters are, you know that they're bad. And yeah, there's all these gang leaders and it's like interesting to see like all these different factions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. meeting together. And you're like, what is, what, what's going on here? So see, and I believe I'm trying to remember, cause I watched all three of these episodes, but uh, I'm trying to remember if this is where Wesley makes the, the magic hammer joke. Where he says you guys got beat up by a guy with a stick. If I'd believe it, I think it was that scene. Yeah, he's like, it would make sense if it was a guy with a magic hammer or something like that. Which is again, is another Avengers time. Yeah, because he was he was um, making a comment to the Russians because it was the Russians who had those all those girls um, held captive on the shipping dock. Um, Yeah, he he yeah he makes a comment to them in front of everyone. Yep. Yeah, and he says, yeah, and they base Russians basically say they'll handle it. Uh, and then we jump across town and we see Matt sneaking into Karen's apartment. Uh, I'm sorry, 
reverse, we see Karen going back to her apartment and Matt followed her. Yes. Uh, she enters the room. She finds the file with the evidence on it, but there's someone there uh, who uh, uh, knocks Karen out and he takes the file. He draws a knife. He's going to kill her. But that's when we see Matt show up uh, in as Daredevil and they, they fight. And again, there's another awesome scene where he's fighting him in the rain and basically, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, we get Jack saying, you know, telling Matt to, to keep fighting. He has a, has a little mild flashback mm-hmm. while he's fighting. And then as, as the guy approaches daredevil, they keep fighting in the uh, street and then he subdues him and he's just exhausted. He's got the file in his hand and he takes the, uh, <laughs> the thumb drive um, to the police uh, and to the newspaper. So at, so it can come out and expose union allied during this whole thing. Um, So obviously the, the stuff from Karen's uh, murder trial is now gone because you can see the innocence is proved via the, the, the documents that are out there. And then they, that's when they decide to hire Karen as their official secretary at uh, Nelson and Murdoch. Uh, we also get a little shot of Matt uh, in the old, in the old gym training on the punching bag, working on his fighting skills. Uh, and then uh, in another building, a man from union allied drains uh, Wilson Fisk's incriminating accounts while Fisk's other goons kill off uh, anyone who could connect union allied to Fisk. Uh, in another room filled uh, with blind people packaging cocaine for a shipment, a man looks over blueprints for New York City, which has Japanese characters scrawled all over the blocks for Hell's Kitchen, uh, showing that they're obviously p- being targeted for something. And later that night, Matt dons the black suit and stands atop a building with his hearing. He hears a, uh, about another kidnapping taking place and he jumps into action. And that ends the first episode. I feel like it's a good, solid first episode. You know, you get introduced to obviously our main character and our immediate supporting characters, but then you also get introduced to some of the subplots and other things that are going on. Um, You know, so it kind of gives us a good taste for everything. We get some good action scenes, good fighting scenes, and also, you know, some good establishment for the main characters and, and where they're going to go with the plot. You know, they, there are these new lawyers and they are setting up their own law firm Mm. in their local neighborhood, you know, so you can tell that they have a lot of like passion and care for the place that they live. Right, right, right. Yeah. And it's, it's a great first episode. I remember just being pumped and excited and I've watched the first season of daredevil way too many times to count. (laughs) So I've seen this first episode so many times and it always Mm -hmm. gets me every single time. Well, and I have to comment too for the fact that it's. I, I also really like how it was. There was no drawn out origin story. Like mm-hmm. they really just like dropped you right into it. And you know, as we talked about in the beginning scenes with with young Matt, and it just it doesn't linger too much on that. Sure, mm-hmm. we're gonna get some flashbacks that are relevant to like what's going on in present day. We'll get that right. in like future episodes. Mm-hmm. But for the most part we got all we really, we needed to know and mm-hmm. we got the important mm-hmm. parts. We, we understand that 
that Matt has, you know, while he doesn't have superhero abilities, he does have some special abilities that helps Mm -hmm. him be a better fighter, you know? And plus he just, you know, we, we get to know him as a, as a character too. And right. Right. And his drive and his um, motivations and, Mm -hmm. and everything. Cause remind me, and this might sound like such a dumb question, but like the thing with Matt, he, he tries not to kill people. Right. 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 But but he he, does, but sometimes it happens. Right. I mean, not, not intentionally. Yeah. There's well, well, especially in the third episode, we'll find out uh, sometimes it doesn't go his way, but he will do everything he can not to kill someone. Right. He will, he... he will beat them so hard that they're crippled economically through hospital bills for the rest of their lives, but he won't kill them. Right. Right. I mean, cause obviously he, he also wants, um, he wants the law, like he wants justice to take care of these bad guys mm. too. And like, there, obviously I know that whole thing, but I couldn't remember if he had like a very specific, like no kill, like rule. I think that's just him being a, I th- it could also jump into him being Catholic, you know, thou shalt not kill. That's, yeah, that's right that's there. I guess so that's that, that's part of his, that's a big part of his personality yeah. as well. Yeah. But yeah, I good, good, solid episode. I feel like it's, a, mm-hmm. like I said, it's a good pilot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So should we get into episode two? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Um, let's see here. Okay, episode two. This one is called Cut Man. And this one starts off right where we left off in the previous episode, where Matt was listening for bad guys. He was looking for people who needed help. And um, we we see the immediate aftermath of that, though. And you see him laying inside of a dumpster, gasping for air and you're like uh what is happening here (laughs) wait what (laughs) (laughs) wait we just saw what um so then a man finds him laying in the dumpster and he calls for help um a young man i should say he's kind of maybe young young adult teenager teenager. yeah Yeah. yeah. and there's a woman that shows up who is played by rosario dawson Um, and, um, if you don't recognize that name, you should, because she is a fantastic actress. And most recently she stars in Ahsoka. Yay. Yay, Star Wars. Um, and so she plays a character named Claire Temple, um, also known as Night Nurse. And, um, which I didn't, I guess I didn't really know too much about her character as far as the comic. So actually while I was watching this episode, I think I texted you and I'm mm-hmm. like, so tell me, you know, does Claire, is is she an actual character from the comics or was she like made up for this show? You know, cause sometimes there's supporting characters that they do that. Right. Um, so right. that was, you know, a good confirmation there that like, yeah, yeah, no, she's, she's in them. And right. so she's, yeah. So she's definitely, they, they've kind of split up the, the night nurse persona in the shows because they kind of also touch with, uh, Dr. Strange. Um, Rachel McAdams character is also, uh, it's like they took night nurse and cause night nurse is a character named Linda Carter, which, of course, because Wonder Woman. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's like they took parts and because uh, Claire was around from the old Luke Cage comics and she did take care of 
of uh, people that have been like superheroes that have been hurt. And she focuses on superhero medicine. Uh, but the night nurse moniker really does fall on a, a couple people. So Claire has had the, had the name before, but then Christine Palmer also has had night nurse. Currently it's, it's Linda Carter. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, night nurse is kind of a big term of anyone that takes care of uh, superheroes. Right. That heard at night. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Um, and it's kind of cool. Cause like, especially with this particular character of Claire Temple, we will come to find out later in the other Netflix series, Luke Cage. And, um, she is the through line. Yeah, she exactly. Through she is the everything. through line. I'm like, that's the, yeah, the perfect, perfect description and, there. And I, and I love the name of this episode because the cut man is a term for a boxer when their eye gets too big to see out of because it's so swollen they have a nurse or a doctor there to cut so it bleeds to reduce the swelling so they can continue to see and they can continue to fight insert claire temple okay that's horrifying but also like i see like i get it like that yeah Mm -hmm. okay like that is really helpful, but oh my gosh, that visual. Um, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so um, she she hears the cries of this of this young man. It, it's it's a friend, someone that she knows, you know. And um, basically, they the two of them take Daredevil into her apartment. They put him on the floor, try to like examine him and see like, okay, where's the blood? Where are the wounds? You know what's going on here and she finds like a really bad, like bleeding wound. And she tries to like, Oh my gosh, I can't handle this. I need to call 911. And he like, just like, he knows exactly what she's about to do. And he gains consciousness enough to tell her to stop. Like, no, no hospitals. And she's like, okay, fine. I will sit you back up and help you. And so she does. And, um, well, even before that, he's like, okay, fine. If you're not going to help me, I'm just going to leave. And then he tries to leave, but then he collapses and right. then he wakes <laughs> up and well, during his, uh, you know, I feel like this always happens in shows, right? This is such uh, like a, a good transition. Pass time. flashback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, okay, flashback time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so then we get like our, our first like real flashback from his childhood where we get to see young Matt and he's watching his dad on TV um, being his boxer self. And um, let's see. Yes. So he he watches him doing, you know, boxing and fighting on TV. And he comes home later and um, he's, you know, he, he's, he didn't win his match. And, but he's got some, some bandage or he's got some wounds. And so Matt helps him stitch them up. And, and uh, he also lets Matt have his uh, first, uh, drink of liquor <laughs> keep his hand steady <laughs> yes exactly and and then after he uh he finishes stitching him up and he's like okay go do your homework and he's like but can i have another swig <laughs> like i just thought that was funny yeah um yeah, go do your homework yeah go do your homework but anyway so then um but also matt saw like a huge like wad of cash that jack had received from the match 
And it seemed like a lot, like they kind of emphasized that like, this is a lot of money for a mm-hmm. losing man. And, right. you know, you and the, you as the audience, but also Matt kind of wonders if Jack was maybe paid more to lose mm-hmm. the match. So it's kind of a bummer in that way. Right. Right. right? Like it, it makes mm-hmm. you sad because he's like a really good fighter, but if he wants to be able to survive and provide for his kid, mm-hmm. he's got to do what he's got to do. And that means yep. losing. Yep. Yep. And that's, oh, ugh, I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then back in the present, so we don't see, um, you know, we don't, uh, we don't see, um, Matt quite yet. We, we jump over to Karen Paige and she is setting up her desk at Nelson and Murdoch. And, um, you know, she's being a great, like first day employee, right? I love this scene because as she's doing this, Foggy is just singing (laughs) terribly in his office. And I think she says, you know, I'm still here. Right. And then the door flies open and he's like, did, did you hear me? (laughs) And this is foggy Nelson at his best. I love this so much when she says, no, not at all. He said, no, the correct answer is yes. And it was wonderful. And she <laughs> says, well, I, out of the two lies, I went with the lesser one. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. So you get to see some fun, like back and forth between these, mm-hmm. these two people, these coworkers, these, you know, new friends and all of right. that. So right. you can, you can see that Karen is, doing everything she can to not go home. Yeah, exactly. She's there late at night. Right. Even to the point where she says, well, you can't even afford to pay me. And uh, Foggy goes, wait, we're paying you. You're not working for free. And she goes, well, I, I, I thought, and that's when they kind of decide, you know what? Screw it. I'm your boss. You're having a hard time. Foggy being, excellent human he sees someone that's in need and he's like you know what you don't need to be here right now stewing on everything you need to go out and have drinks with me let's go to the bar mm-hmm. oh yeah and they and they go to the bar and it's yeah they start a little bar crawl it's amazing which we'll get back to in a minute because then we skip back over to um matt and he's under claire's care and he he comes to um all the while, I should mention, too, that Foggy and Karen are like, oh, we should call Matt and have him join us. And he's not answering his phone. <laughs> yeah. He's not He's not there. And uh, we, we know why. We, the audience, know why. But I'm sure Foggy is... If he's not answering his phone, he's he's probably assumed that he's out with a girl, right? Like, right. where else would he be that he wouldn't right. answer his phone, right? <laughs> right. Because obviously Foggy doesn't know about his double life. Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, um, yeah, so then, uh, Claire kind of helps, like, helps him, like, kind of evaluate, like, okay, this is how badly you're hurt. And, um, anyway, so, you know, he thanks her for his help and he's like, okay, well now, you know, I need to, 
I need, well, he hasn't left yet at this point because then we go to another flashback. Yeah, because flashbacks. Leaves. Yes, this is the this is the flashback episode. Like seriously, so he mm-hmm. he's in the hospital and it's like right after he went blind. So he's a young kid and his enhanced senses like start kicking in and it actually causes him to like freak out mm-hmm. and you see his dad there and he's just trying to soothe him and just like be there for him. And so it's kind of, I think it's really interesting how they chose these particular flashbacks because we're seeing the parallels, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so we're kind of seeing like someone else is taking care of Matt, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause sometimes, yeah, like Matt, he may come across as like, no, I don't need anybody. I'm tough. I'm alone. I'm a loner, but he does need help. He does need care. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see this parallel between Claire and Jack. Right, right. And so then he wakes up and he's not able to breathe and Claire realizes that his lung has collapsed. And so he opens his airway with a needle, which I always have to look away at that scene because I don't do needles. I (laughs) not, not, no, 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 no. But I understand what's happening because I've watched all of Grey's Anatomy. So um, (laughs) basically a doctor. I'm basically a doctor. You guys, I know all about trauma surgery. It's great. Um, (laughs) anyways so then uh let's see oh yes so he's recovered and then he tries to explain how he would to claire that he was trying to stop a kidnapping which you know we know from at the end of episode one and he um he had followed the van that had kidnapped the boy and when he arrived at the van's destination he discovered that the group of men were actually waiting for him so it was kind of like a trap Which kind of cuts back to that first episode when the Russians said that they had it handled. Yes, exactly. And so he he quickly stops. um, Like he, or let's see, he's like, yeah, I barely escaped. um, But I know they're still out there and they have the boy. And so I need to go back out and help him. But then as he's talking, he quickly stops and he says, there's someone else. um, There's somebody that's entered your apartment building. And she's like, well, how do you know that? And he's like, well, I can smell him. <laughs> he's like, I can hear him and I can smell, smell his cologne. Right? Yeah. Yep. And then we get another flashback. Yay. Flashback. Yay. Back to his childhood. And he is in the gym where his dad is training and he's sitting there with a big open book and he's studying Braille. Cause at this point he's blind, you know, so we're, we, you know, we kind of can mm-hmm. see where we're at in, in the, the timeline of things. Right. And, um, he is, it, there's just like a really nice tender moment between father and son. And he's kind of, mm-hmm. he's trying to, you know, help him be like, well, this is how Braille works. You know, he's trying to explain to him the language right, right. and, and Jack is, you know, he's trying to, you know, why not just make it look like an L? <laughs> yeah. You know, he's trying to like, you know, be a, a funny dad, but also like, you right, know, right. So then there's these two men that show up, Roscoe and Sweeney. Those are just like that. Those are mob names. Like, come on, mob men names. Oh yeah. And they, um, you know, they pull Jack pulls them off to the side because he doesn't want Matt to hear. And they tell him about an upcoming fight with a man named Creel, and he's like a big like this is a big this is going to be a big get. Crusher right? Creel. Mm-hmm. Crusher Creel. And yep. so they're like, wow, this is huge. You know, really, really, you know, money making opportunity. Hooray! And then they're like, but there's a catch. We want you to throw the fight in like the fifth round. Down in the fifth round. Yep. 
And he's just like, you can tell that like Jack just does not want to do it. He doesn't want to do it because he, he kind of looks back over at Matt sitting there and he's just like, I know what the stakes are. He knows mm-hmm. that if he mm-hmm. doesn't listen to them, they'll kill him. Mm-hmm. This is a very dire situation. Um, and it could leave Matt an orphan. And so it's very, very, yeah, very scary. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to the present and, um, Daredevil, he kind of gets ready for this man that's going through Claire's apartment building. And, and it's kind of a cool scene, honestly, because you get to mm-hmm. kind of not like you kind of get to see some of his enhanced abilities of like, oh, yep, he's two doors down. Okay, he's here, you know, and the whole time mm-hmm. Claire's just like, as he can barely stand. <laughs> yeah. And Claire's just like, how in the world do you know all this? And sure enough, a knock sounds at her door. And he says that he's a New York cop. And he's looking for, um, you know, oh, there's a, a black masked man that, you know, has been around, it, you know, he robbed a bodega earlier, right, and right, we're looking yeah. for him. We're just wondering if you've seen anything. And which I thought like was kind of interesting, like because it's such a general story, and he didn't really ask very much. And Claire, of course, she's like, "Well, I saw nothing," but then like immediately, Daredevil is like, "Yeah, he didn't buy it. He yeah, didn't believe." Like- you. And it's like right. they barely said anything, which I found right. like really right. interesting. That it's like, was that just for uh-huh. plot, maybe? Like to I liked I liked that Matt got a little tiny paring knife and he was getting ready to fight this guy. And Claire says, let trust me, let, I'll get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And you start to see that level of trust build between the two. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, okay. She's like, just hide. And then she's like, she sees the badge and that's when we get the, one of my favorite, the fire extinguisher, as he's running down yes. the stairs to escape and he walks over and times it. And he's like, not yet, not yet. And then lets it go and dunks him on the head. And, and she says, you're right. I could smell that cologne. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so then that, that same young man who had found him in the dumpster, he actually saw them from the floor up above. Cause at the same time, like um, daredevil's like, Somebody is somebody there's somebody up above us that yeah. saw that and she younger like, and scared. Yeah, and she like realizes like, oh, that's so and so. He's the one who pulled you out of the garbage, or you know. Mm. So then, anyways, then we cut over to uh Foggy and Karen across town. They're um they're on their bar crawl and they make it to uh a dive. Josie's Josie's bar. Yes. Yeah. This is where we get the her admitting that she just doesn't want to go home mm-hmm. that she doesn't see the city anymore and all she sees is the dark corners and if it wasn't for the man in the mask all that stuff oh yeah for sure and you know and so he tries to like comfort her and they decide to just stay out for the night and and just hang out and so they have a nice bonding moment never sleep again <laughs> <laughs> and then so we cut back over to the roof of claire's apartment where they have um grabbed the the russian thug and they are starting to interrogate him and um <laughs> they like let's see 
The well, mask that Claire wears oh is my gosh. frightening as hell. Okay, yeah, when they, like, first <laughs> cut in on that scene, because, like, obviously she, you know, we need to protect her identity as well um, in case this guy gets out or they let him go or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's wearing, like, a, a light. shirt like, or something with, like. <laughs> the eye holes. And, like, a very light, light gray hoodie. So it's kind of, like, almost white. Scary as hell. And she's, like, <laughs> sitting in the background. Like, she's in the background. And it's kind of blurry because the focus is up, you know, up front. Mm-hmm. And you're mm-hmm. just, like... What is Like, that? I had to do a double take and be, like, there's a ghost behind you, Matt. <laughs> but then right? you realize, oh, that's her. They're, they're poorly made, mm-hmm. hastily mm-hmm. made. Disguise. Disguise. Yeah. Um, but before before they woke him, um, that the Russian thug woke up, though, she kind of starts to ask Matt, like they kind of have a conversation and she's trying to ask him about his abilities. And um, and also Daredevil's like, well, why would you help a masked man in a dumpster? And and she's like, mm. well, I'll tell you why. It's because during my shifts at the in the emergency room, a number of injured men have come in and they're all like are, they're all claiming that they were thrashed by a man in a black mask. Mm. And so she's kind of picking up on things, right? And so mm-hmm. she's like, well, I like this person, you know, so I want to help him out. Right, right. And then we have, um, so before we, yeah, let's see. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. Mm. But um, then we have another flashback. And- flashback! Yay! This is the flashback episode, I told you. This is the flashback episode, yep. So we see his dad, Jack, opening a package, and it has a beautiful red and gold boxing robe. Like, brand new, shiny, so, so pretty. And um, and just they they talk about the importance of never quitting and always making sure they get back up, because that's what Murdochs do. And, you know, and then we they kind of cut to a scene where Jack calls his his bookie, and he wants to bet on himself to win that boxing match against Creel. And so you can kind of, you can already tell that he is wanting to win it. He's wanting to stand up for himself mm-hmm. and prove that he can do this. And even though he knows that the consequences will be dire. And so then right. he makes sure that the bookie immediately puts the winnings in like a private account. So that way Matt mm-hmm. gets the money. It mm-hmm. doesn't go somewhere else. Yep. yep. And then also it's, it's interesting too. He calls, he makes another call to a woman and he gets her voicemail and lets her know that Matt will soon need her help. We don't really get much more of that at this point. Yep. So then back to the present, a drunken foggy and Karen, they go to (laughs) Matt's apartment trying to break the eel. (laughs) They try to get him to come to the door. (laughs) We drank the eel and we are filled with eel power. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this scene makes me laugh. They're funny. It's amazing. It's amazing. And they obviously Matt isn't home. And so they're like, okay, fine. I guess we'll leave. And then we finally get to the part where Daredevil is interrogating the Russian thug. And he, you know, he does the thing where he listens to the heartbeat to know if he's lying or not. And he, he wants to know like, who the Russians like sold the kidnap boy to. Like they want to know like what, like who, who's, who's at the top. He's, you know, he's slowly right, trying right, to figure right. out who is the mastermind who is trying yeah, to who's in charge all this. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he uses some, some methods of torture in this, which, 
is kind of interesting because at the same time, Claire is kind of, like, you can tell that Claire's, like, not totally on board with this, but he's until, doing it anyways. Until he says that he's going to keep kidnapping these children mm-hmm. and there's nothing that he can do that's going to stop them. And that's when she's like, hey, all right, come here. You should stab him. Yeah. Right? Inside the eyeball. (laughs) Will it kill him? No. He'll wish it did, but it did not. That is like, you don't like needles. I don't like eyeballs. So this is like a combination of our. Oh, I don't like that either. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. he starts talking after that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, But at the same time, yeah, he tried to. he drops them off. He drops him off. Daredevil, like, drops him off the roof. And Claire, uh, you can tell that Claire's kind of like, uh, did you just kill him? But he's like, no, he landed in the dumpster. He'll be fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And then he, you know, he tells Claire that she should hide somewhere um, safe in the city. You know, kind of lay low if she can. Gives her a burner phone. And then she tells, you know, she tells him where she'll be just in case he needs more medical help later. So then we have another flashback. Last flashback of the episode. And we see Jack entering the ring for his fight against Creel in an, in a very epic moment where he's wearing his brand new robe. He's walking down the hall. People are cheering his name. And like, it's a really a high point, a very high point for sure. And you just know that that's, he wants to make his son proud of him. He wants to do good. He wants to yep. um to do this. Yep. And so he he wins. <laughs> and then you see him hurry and flee the boxing ring before he can get out, but he's too slow because they actually um the mobsters they they shoot him dead in an alley near the apartment cuz Matt hears the gunshot from his apartment and he runs out cuz I you know he he kind of he kind of had an idea that something was going to happen. So as soon, yep. as soon as he heard that gunshot and went running, he he knew what happened, unfortunately. And we see a very sad scene of him um, crying over his his father's body laying mm-hmm. in the alley. Yep. <clears throat> Sorry. And then in the present, we see Daredevil oh, in one of the best scenes in the whole series. And I think we yep. both agree on this. Yep. Yep. We see Daredevil ambushing the Russian gang's hideout where they have the kidnapped boy. And I want you to, yes. to okay, describe okay. it. All right. This is, yes. So when I, whenever I'm trying to get somebody to watch this show, I show them this scene. It is the hallway scene. If you've seen the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about because they have repeatedly brought back hallways in any way to replicate this scene. It is almost, I believe there's cuts in the shot, but it is almost a solid shot. And as I, as I talked about before, Matt can't just punch a guy and he's out, right? He has to continue to punch people until they do not move anymore. So there's only eight or nine guys in this gang hideout. But you don't just punch a guy four or five times and he's out. You have so he he fights the same nine guys 
probably about four or five separate times each until they don't get up anymore. My favorite scene is or my favorite my favorite knockout of the scene is when he throws the microwave through the door and it yes. the guy as he's walking through the doorway. Cause you know he threw it over his shoulder or something. <laughs> but the the last knockout where he's where he's just fighting the last guy and he's leaned up against the wall and he's just heavy breathing. He's got a punctured lung and broken ribs and you know, he's concussed and he's just, and he's got the rope wrapped around his hand to help punch harder. Um, and he's just leaned up against the wall and catching his breath and the last four punches. And he's so exhausted that his last left hook, both of them fall down. Yes. Oh doesn't back up. And then you see him just panting and breathing. And this is my favorite moment of any Daredevil series comic that they've ever done. Because I believe that this encapsulates why Daredevil is what he is and why he does what he does. He finds the room that the child is in. He takes off his mask so he can see his whole face. He goes in there and he says, I know you're scared. I'm here to help you. I'm going to take you back to your father. You don't have to be scared anymore. This is Daredevil. That is Matt Murdock. That is why he does what he does. He is not going to let people live in fear of things that are preventable, that he can help them with. This is Daredevil. It gives me goosebumps every time I watch the scene. It's amazing. Oh, I I have goosebumps right now. (laughs) If you could see me right now, (laughs) listeners, it's, uh, yeah. (laughs) This is Daredevil. And then he gets the kid and he takes him back to his father. Mm -hmm. And that is it. That is it. Like, if that was it, if that was the movie of Daredevil, the first two episodes... I would be content. Even though we don't get to see the horns, we don't get to see the red suit. They nailed the character. Oh yeah. That hallway fight and post hallway fight. Well, and I think too, I think it is such a important detail that he, before he went into the room where the little kid was, that he took his mask off. Right. Right. You know, because he wanted to make sure like, cause he, it, it shows that he thinks of others, that he, he does, he does care about how he might appear to other people, you know? And so he right, wants right. to, he wants this kid to like, like he said, like, don't, I know you're scared. You don't have to be anymore. Cause I'm here to help you. And so he wants to be like, Hey, you don't have to be scared of me. And so like a guy in a mask walking in would be really off-putting. In the right, beginning, right. especially after you heard all these like people being beat right. up outside, doors exploding, a and, microwave. Yeah. I, I like to think that the microwave went ding when it hit the guy in the head. <laughs> it did. That's it probably did. not what happened, but in my head cannon, it went ding. It did. We'll say it did. <laughs> you know, and so it just shows like how he wanted to be sensitive um, mm-hmm. to this little boy and wanted to to show him. But then at the same time, like, yeah, like he walks out, he like, he picks him up, but he has his mask back on because, you know, 
Mm-hmm. His identity still mm-hmm. needs to to be protected. But at that point, mm-hmm. he's gained the trust of the little boy. <laughs> right, right. He's like, I'm not a bad guy. Yeah, I'm not a bad guy. So yeah, mm-hmm. that that scene is is amazing. It is definitely like one of the best ones. I mean, it just shows like how he he even at the brink of like he's got some major injuries right. himself and he is that, not okay right now but that doesn't matter <laughs> in this grand scheme of things because he needs to save this little boy and so mm-hmm. you just know he is working on pure adrenaline at this point yep, yep. adrenaline so. and anger adrenaline oh, and anger just gosh. driving him yeah such a good episode a good again like just a good solid episode mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh okay so now we're going to jump. I know you guys have stuck with us a long time on this one, but we're jumping into episode three now. Yes. This one is called Rabbit in a Snowstorm. Oh. It opens up in a bowling alley where you see a man named Prohaska, I believe his name is, and he's bowling a private game. Another guy walks in and he asks to join. Uh, the other guy says no, uh, which then leads to one of the most savage beatdowns I've ever seen involving a bowling ball. Yeah, and seriously. You obviously see this guy as like an assassin. He's some kind of special forces. Like he's got skills. He's not just a dude coming in to bowl. Um, and so then you see uh, it, it, there's a cool scene where it cuts. He he holds a gun up to the face of uh, Prohaska. And then it, we get a small flashback, a small little flashback to our boy Turk, Turk telling him, selling him a pistol. And he says, best thing about this thing is it'll never jam. Cut to <laughs> back to the thing. Gun jams. And then that's when we get the that's when we get the uh, the beat down with the bowling ball, and you see him stash the gun under a pinball machine, and wait sits down and surrenders to the police. Um, so we then cut to the next day, and Matt is outside a church uh, with a priest, and the priest recognizes him as uh, Battle and Jack Murdoch's son. And he says, hey, man, you can confess anything to me and not be in any legal trouble. And he's like, you know, you can do that. And I said, hey, you know, they gave us an espresso machine. You want to come have a coffee? And Matt's, nah, not not this time, father. Um, Then we get a cool jump to a character we haven't seen yet who's very big and important in the Daredevil stories as well as other Marvel stories, Ben Urich. And he's meeting a mobster who is a uh, a mob boss who was tied to Union Allies. Said he's like I'm I, new 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 cards, new dealer. I'm out. Like I don't want to deal with what's going on with the mobs right now because you know there's someone out there wiping out all the families in New York. And he's like I don't want to be. In, I, Florida's nice this time of year. And uh, Ben Yurick, being a reporter, the reason he's coming to him is he says something that's really cool. He said, when I got, you know, when I got busted, when I got locked up, everyone wrote tons of bad things about me. You're the only one that didn't write anything about my children. You didn't write anything about my family. I respect you. Even though you trashed me too, you just trashed me, not my family. Thank you for leaving them out of it. You know, so that's why he's kind of giving him, giving him this information. Um, and he tells Yurik, don't follow this story. Never tell an investigative reporter to not follow a story. That is 100% what they are going to do. Uh, yeah, they will do the thing you say not to do. Come on. Right, right. 
Uh, so then it cuts across town and they're back in the law offices and they're, they see the after effects of what Matt has been going through um, after they're uh, showing up drunk at his, his door. They see that his face has a gigantic bruise on the side of his face and he's and, like, oh, yeah. it was my fault. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's fine. So clumsy. Um, I fell again. Right. right. <laughs> And then uh, <laughs> we hear a, a knock, knock at the door and it opens up and we see Wesley, Wesley. good old Wesley saying that he wants Nelson and Murdoch to represent Healy, the, the uh, assassin guy uh, from the bowling alley uh, saying that his company will pay all the legal fees uh, to defend them in court. Uh, Foggy is like, yes, money. We need money to operate the, the business and Matt is not having it. He does not like this guy. And there's a moment when uh, Wesley makes a jab at Karen saying, oh, I thought you guys uh, uh, love taking on charity cases and hiring them. Or is that just the pretty ones? And seeing Karen's face and even Foggy then was like, what did you just say? Like his face is like, excuse me? <laughs> um and then he asks Karen to leave the room and basically gives them all the stuff and tells them that they have 38 minutes to go down to the police precinct to interview this guy and uh, see what's going on. So instead of doing that, you know, Matt not doing lawyer things, which is a through line through the entire series. Matt's a good lawyer. When he shows up. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So he basically goes, all right, Foggy, you go down there. And he follows uh, Wesley and he sees Wesley get into an SUV or sees, sorry, senses, hears, whatever. You know what I mean? We He's know daredevil. what you mean. Um, get into an SUV. Can't tell who's in there with him, but uh, hops in. Uh, Foggy goes down and starts talking to the... Uh, Healy and asks him about what's going on. And he said, did they assault you verbally or physically? And Healy responds with what sounds better. And Foggy goes, excuse me, what do you mean? What sounds better? What's the truth? It's when Matt comes in and you kind of see the tables flip a little bit. Foggy is now very hesitant to take on this case. Cause this guy is a dirt bag, but Matt wants to know more about who hired them. So he says, you know, no, no, we're going to take the case. Yeah, we, we got it. We'll take the case. Sure. Um, we get, uh, another, we get some more Ben Urich. It jumps to his office. Cool thing on that. You see a, you see a, a news story about the, um, the incident, the Avengers the incident. And then you also see monster Rex Harlem. And that is a reference to the Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton with his fight with the Abomination. Ben Urich wrote that story up on the wall. Awesome. Well, Um, they even had like, tell me if I'm wrong, but in that New York, the incident story, was there a picture of like a Chitauri monster? Yeah, I think the big, yeah, the big, the flying thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, if I remember, memory serves. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Urich talks to his, um, his boss, which we'll come to know later on, 
uh, he he tells him that he's got he's working on a story about a power play in New York with the the crime syndicates and the crime families. The editor's not really convinced about it and tells him to stick to stories that'll sell papers. Fluff, um, or no puff, yeah. puff pieces. Yeah, puff pieces. But then he basically says like, "Okay, cool. I'm just going to keep doing this in my own time." Then <laughs> don't um, tell me what to do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Uh, so. So yeah, so that's uh we then jump to um I'm sorry, uh Wesley uh going to the bowling alley uh and recovering the gun from under the pinball machine. The H and K V nine. Yes. Yes, H and K V nine. and then um we go back to Matt and Foggy working on the case and they discuss legal strategy and they tell they have Karen look into confederated global which is the company that's paying them to defend healy uh across town uh karen gets called in to uh old the her old business union allied talking to lawyers and they're basically trying to have her sign an nda uh to no longer discuss the embezzlement documents hush and money they're use- yeah they're using a technicality because she did not take it to the police she took it to the newspaper so she is not protected under whistleblower laws which is was was a big mistake but it was the right one because if it went to the cops who knows who the kingpin has on the payroll and it never would have got out and she would still be in jail um so she's debating on it she hasn't signed anything yet but she does have the documents uh we then cut back to the hospital where yurik ben yurik is visiting his ailing wife in the hospital which is a very very touching scene, seeing a very human side of Ben Yurick, even though he's going after all these mob families. You know, it's not a high paying job, but he's doing what he can to take care of his wife, which is which is really awesome. Um, so then uh, again, back to Nelson and Murdoch, uh, Karen kind of shows up and uh, with and they talk about the Confederated Global and then it jumps to the uh, Healy's trial where uh, Foggy- Real quick, I have a question uh-huh. for you, though. So, like, yeah. in that scene, when they're back at the, you know, before the trial and Karen shows mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. um, I'm like, the weird, I, I think it was in this scene where Matt, like, turns to Karen and, and is like, no more long lunches. Right. Remember that? I, I like, I uh. always thought that was, like, kind of, like, such, a, like, a weird thing to say. Like, is, like, I always try to, like, figure out, like, why did he say that? Right. Is it because they needed her at the time and, and she wasn't around when they needed her because she was at a long lunch? Or like, I mean, why? It, it could be, or maybe he could sense that she was uneasy and not okay. Maybe that's why. And maybe uh, just didn't want her to be away for too long by herself. Right, like because he can't protect her mm-hmm. when he's stuck there. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's a mix it between both. Maybe it's a mix between both. That, yeah. like, he's I, under stress. Yeah. He needed help and he's worrying about her. Yeah. I just always thought it was such like a weird like no more long lunches. Like kind of like so like. A boss thing. Yeah, yeah. like a boss thing. And I'm like, yeah. what? Why did he? Why was he like being so weird about it? But yeah, I guess right. that kind of makes right. sense. Um. And then we, yeah, we get to some courtroom scenes. Finally. Yes, legal uh, drama. And we see Foggy giving uh, an opening statement, which is excellent. Foggy is an excellent lawyer. Maybe the best in the Marvel Universe. We'll touch that on, we'll touch on that later. But he is very, very good. 
And uh, during the whole time, Matt is kind of listening to the heartbeats of the jurors and he can hear a lady's heartbeat going faster during this. The second that Wesley walks in and she makes eye contact with him, he can hear Wesley's watch that he recognized from earlier. I was just going to say like the way that he knows it's Wesley is by the tick, tick, tick Mm -hmm. of his watch. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's just so interesting because like, Mm -hmm. Other people could have watches, but it's like that specific one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So basically he uh, then that night, the panic jury member meets a man in an alley. The man tells her to follow, follow the instructions and vote, for, you know, innocent for Healy. Um, and he tells her, you know, go home, relax. Don't don't think about it. And then that's when Daredevil shows up and beats the hell out of this guy for blackmailing the witness. And he's trying to figure out how, how he, you know, who's in charge again. And he basically says like, listen, man, if there's a light on in a window, I go pick up a piece of paper and it tells me to do a job. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, but he basically says, you know, tell that woman to get, excuse herself from the jury. So excuses herself from the jury cut to the, to the next day. And Matt is giving the closing argument and again, he also gives an excellent closing argument, basically saying that he's like, listen, guy's a piece of crap. We all know this, but that's not what we're judging. We're judging by the facts. We have one, we have his statement. We have the statement of the young lady that worked there saying that he was pleasant and he was fine and there was nothing wrong with him. That is what we have to go on. That is it. This is not a personal judgment. This is a legal judgment. And he gives an excellent closing argument. Which um, I which I like. I love these moments throughout this show because it kind of gives us, I mean, a, a, you know, a little bit of a break, but also just like a nice piece of who Matt Murdock is because he mm-hmm. is a lawyer. That's who he is, you know, because he cares. He wants to, he wants people to get you know, justice and, and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I just, I love the courtroom drama too. Right. Like it's just a nice right. change of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't always see that in like superhero shows and movies and whatnot. So it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a, it's a nice, it's a change of pace. It's a change of setting. Right. Um, right. And I, yeah. I just, I, I love the courtroom drama. Right. <laughs> his, his, his big thing, his big speech is like, it's morality versus the facts. That's what mm-hmm. he's going on. Again, guys, yeah. piece of crap. He is not a good person, but we're just going on the facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we cut across town and we see in a car, uh, Leland Owlsley, AKA the owl, uh, speaking with Leslie saying that he wants to meet with the big man. And Wesley says he will, he won't meet with him. Uh, and then uh, he reveals that there's a connection with, with Healy, with uh, confederated global. Um, so then we get a we get a cut to Karen going to meet uh, Mr. Fisher's widowed wife, her, her former coworker that was killed in the first episode. Apologize for getting involved, and then basically says, "Hey, did they offer you money to stay quiet?" And she admits that she already signed it and that she did it for the kid's safety. And she rolls out. Uh, so for nowhere with nowhere else to turn, Karen goes to Ben Urich's office and says she has more information on Union Allied and its connection to the criminal uprising. So we're starting to see these two stories come back together. Uh, back at the Healy trial, uh, right as they're about to announce the the verdict, Matt 
hears the heartbeat of the the head juror and is like, damn, they got to her too. And it's a hung jury. So it's a mistrial and they're not going to, they're not going to try him again. Well, and doesn't he say that before they actually announce it too? Yeah. Cause he can, he can, he can it like, he's, he's, figured he's figured it out, it out. Yep. but he yep. like makes that comment and like foggy kind of like looks over at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, no, and they're not going to retry it. This is, this is done. It's, it's already been decided. So he walks. Uh, so of course he's, uh, we cut to Mr. Healy out in an alley and he is getting ready to, you know, get in a car and daredevil in the, in the full black costume jumps out. You actually see Matt have a, a little bit of a tough time with the fight. Cause this guy is obviously good at fighting and a kind of a little bit of back and forth. Um, but it ends up with Healy on the ground and Matt has a piece of glass or mirror um, pushed up against his throat saying, you know, I'm going to, you know, you got to tell me who, who hired you, who is in charge. Give me a name, give me a name. And the guy says, you know, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then eventually he says the name Fisk, Wilson Fisk. And then he's, he panics after that. And he says, I can't believe I told you. He's like, do you know what he'll do for even saying his name? He's like, not only am I dead, my family's dead. Everyone I've ever known is dead to stop me from doing what I just did telling you his name. And he says, you should have killed me and then slams his face into a protruding metal spike. And Matt is like, what, what? (laughs) Which is like another like prime example of, why this show is rated TVMA. Right, right, <laughs> Because they right. show it. <laughs> right. Matt is, Matt is like, what, what happened? He's like, I didn't do this. So you can see it really, it really got to him. Mm-hmm. But then we get, uh, then we, the last, the last scene of the show, we cut to an art gallery and uh, you see a, a lady walk up to a big, big man bald suit you see him from the back and he is staring at a white just a solid white piece of art and she starts explaining it and she she tells a joke she says you know what you call a painting like this that's just just white rabbit in a snowstorm and he just kind of smiles and uh she asks him you know how does it make you feel and he said lonely and then the camera pans behind him again, this giant bald man and the small petite woman in an art gallery looking at this giant piece of art. And that's where we end episode three. I know we finally, like we kept getting so many hints about this mysterious boss man and we didn't even know his name until the very end either like yeah so like the audience like we're right there with right daredevil right. we don't know who this person mm-hmm. is we just know he has his hands in everything mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. spread far and wide in new york city and not right. even just right there in hell's kitchen like it is all over new york and then we finally get to see his face yep Yep, and we are going to get so much more of this man later on. But oh. that that is that is the first three episodes, um, and it was a blast. I I love recapping these. I love going over them again. 
but that's that's really all we have for for this week's episode. Let's um give them our our social and Instagram again so yeah. they can come and check us out. Yeah, so we are on Instagram at um heroes of underscore hell's kitchen and you can find all of our announcements there for new episodes that are coming out as well as just other fun daredevil bits and fun things and just whatever else we feel like so come come hang out with us on instagram and where else can they find you outside of here so i am also on um i'm part of age of geek media i'm on two different podcasts there age of geek podcast and cutscenes and cupcakes which is a video game podcast so not not totally daredevil but you know not yeah. totally tv show not, and everything not 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 not, not, not. <laughs> maybe someday we'll get a daredevil video game and it'll be amazing yeah. we dream we dream yeah um and you can catch me over on uh my my video game podcast push my buttons games uh we started that back up uh but the big one you can find me on is the nerd dome podcast we break down comics every week we do character deep dives we talk about news in the comic industry whether it's uh movies tv uh the actual print media all, all that stuff so lots lots of comic book pop culture nerdiness is over there so yeah you can find me over there but guys thank you so much for listening this is definitely a passion project for us even if we are the only ones that listen to this <laughs> we're going to continue to do this yes so we're so hope- excited I hope I hope that you you enjoyed your time here and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>